Up next, a message from Victory Life Church of Milton. I want you to take your Bibles. Turn with me to the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Say again. It's on the back of the uh, bulletin if you want to learn or turn to some of these scriptures. And I wrote a little note to Pastor Paul. I said, you know, I noticed there was a whole bunch of scriptures. I said, I'm going to refer to some of these. I'm not going to necessarily preach a message on every verse. How many of you know that we are at war? Well, some of you don't know that you're at war. Hallelujah. No, I'm, I'm just joking with you. Um, we are in a, at, in a war that we call spiritual war. We have an enemy, Satan. I don't want to give him more than he's due. But we have an enemy, Satan. But I like what Jesus said in John 10, 10. He said, the enemy, the, the thief comes to steal, to kill, to destroy. I have come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. Now, I put... I've changed some words in there because he says, I came that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. I like to say you, and whenever I'm talking about me, I like to make it personal. I have life, and I have that life more abundant. Now, in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, beginning at verse 3, the Apostle Paul says, For though we walk in the flesh... We do not war according to the flesh, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments. I like the old King James there. It says, casting down imaginations, because in our imagination, so often we see the attacks of the enemy. You know, I remember when my oldest son, Robert, got his driver's license and backed out of the driveway the first time and went down the street and turned the corner. I had some imaginations. You know, what could happen? What might happen? Some of you, as parents, you understand that. Uh, that, uh, you know, and, and some, you know, he made it back okay. He did not have a wreck when he went through the traffic lights. He didn't, he made it back all right but the imagination. And so he says, casting down, and I'm going to use that word, imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. We are in spiritual warfare. That's something that God is not going to change. I'm sorry. If you want to go up and go in this life and say, well, God is going to change things, and, and I'm not going to have any more spiritual warfare in my life. You're just kidding yourself. Why? Because you have an enemy, and that enemy, Satan, has targeted you. You have this big red bullseye right here in the middle of everything, and he wants to destroy you, and he wants to take over in your life. That's a basic truth that we need to understand. However, As I said, we're not going to glorify the enemy. We're going to glorify God because God has given us spiritual weapons. Uh, Let me share some of your spiritual weapons with you. And that's where all of these verses that I sent to the pastor come in. Uh, We have the name of Jesus. Uh, 
And God wants us to understand the power of his name. You know, Jesus sent out 70 disciples in Luke chapter 10. He sent those disciples out, and he said, I want you to go into the cities around about, and I want you to do two things. First thing I want you to do is heal the sick. Now, Pastor, if I was going to send out a bunch of people, I'd tell them to go out and preach. Go out and testify. Go out and do Do you know, he didn't do that. He, Jesus sort of knows how to do things and how to lead us. Sometimes he leads us to do that. But he said for the 70 to go out and first go into the villages round about and heal the sick. Why did he do that? He wanted to get their attention. You get somebody healed, you've got their attention. And you've got the attention of people around about them. And so he says, and tell them that the kingdom of heaven is near at hand. In other words, go heal them and then preach. Well, they went out and did it and they came back. And they said this to Jesus. While we were out there, we discovered that as we, and and I'm paraphrasing this, we discovered that when we heal the sick and we preach the gospel of the kingdom, that other things happened. Even demons were cast out. And, And then Jesus said, I saw Satan as lightning fall from heaven. I tell you what, we have goofed up that verse in many, many ways over the years. And and if you'll let me, I want to share something that I believe is true. I've heard so many preachers talk about how that Jesus back at the creation and back when Satan rebelled in heaven, that Jesus was talking about seeing Satan being cast out of heaven. Well, he did. He saw that. But I want to tell you, you and I live in two worlds at the same time. We live in the natural world that Sherry was talking about a few minutes ago. We live in the spiritual world. And both of those worlds are very, very real. And I believe this is what Jesus was saying to the disciples. Okay, guys, while you were out there healing the sick and while you were out there preaching the gospel of the kingdom, I observed what was going over in the heavenly realm, in that spiritual realm. I saw that as you healed and as you preached and as you cast out demons, that Satan was being cast down. And you know what? It's like this. How many of you ever get excited about anything? I mean, I get excited sometimes about football, I, and I, I used to get more excited. I, in the last few years, I haven't hardly watched a game, but uh, right now the Bucks, you know, and well, anyway, uh, just because we live near Tampa. But I get excited about things sometimes. And so what has happened? These 70 disciples have come back with all of this excitement. Oh, Lord Jesus, this is what happened. This is what happened when we did this and we did that. And, you know, if Jesus was just talking about what he saw millions of years ago at the creation, it's like you coming running into the house, all excited about something, and your pastor says to you, that ain't nothing. Let me tell you what I've seen. Mm. It sort of lets all the air out, doesn't it? And so Jesus said, I saw Satan as lightning fall from heaven. And then he said, and behold, I give you authority to tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. And that authority is in the name of Jesus. Mark 16, 
Mark is writing what Jesus has spoken, and he says, you know, my disciples are going to cast out demons. They're going to heal the sick. They're going to do all that in my name. And so God has given us that name. And, and I want to encourage you, don't be afraid to use the name of Jesus as a weapon against the enemy. What else do we have? We have the Word of God. In Ephesians chapter 6, all the way down at verse 17, the Apostle Paul is talking about our covering, our armor in this battle that we find ourselves in. And he says, and we take the shield of faith and the sword of the Spirit. And that sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. And so we take the Word of God. The Word is like a weapon. You know, I, as, a, as a boy, my mother and dad used to pray with us children, and, and uh, they would teach us scriptures. You know, John 3.16 and all, all the 23rd Psalm and all of those. And you know why they were doing that? They were implanting into our hearts and into our lives the truth of God's Word. And so knowing that we have an enemy, we need a weapon called the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. This Word that I'm having right now in my hand, this Word is powerful. It's sharper, the Scripture says, than any two-edged sword. And so we have the Word of God as a weapon. What else do we have? In Revelation chapter 12, verse 11, what does it say to us? In verse 10, it talks about the accuser of the brethren. What is the accuser? Who is the accuser? That's Satan. How does he accuse us? Well, according to that scripture, that he accuses us to God. Now, I have an imagination. I talked about the imagination a while ago with my son when he went out at 16 or 17, whatever it was, he got that driver's license and went around that corner. I have an imagination. So I have an imagination. And uh, that Satan approaches God like he did with Job. He approaches God and he says, you see Gene down there? Do you remember when he did this? And when he did that, when he did this other thing, and so he's accusing. And, and do you know what he accuses us with? The law. He uses the law, the Old Testament law, thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt, and then thou shalt do it. Uh, the, the, you know, this part of the law was not only the thou shalt not, it was thou shalt. Now, excuse my old English. But he accuses. You see, he did this, he did that. Do you know it's none of his stinking business? None of his stinking business. And so it says in verse 11, it says, And they, talking about believers like you and me, overcame him by the blood of the Lamb. You know, I use the blood as a weapon of warfare. 
I have a thing I call the confession of the blood. I've been using it for years. When the enemy starts jumping on my shoulders and whispering in my spiritual ear and telling me about all the things that I've done wrong in my life, I say, devil, it's under the blood. Now bug off. You know, I have no, and I, and I hope you understand this, I have no sense of guilt. Now, if I do something, yes, I have a sense of guilt. I did that. But I go to God. I confess it. I receive his forgiveness. And from that point on, it's under the blood of Jesus. And I don't go back and, and take that blood and pull it back like somebody has put the dirt under the carpet. I don't go back and look at it. I said, devil, that happened. Yes, you're right. It was, it was there. I did it. But it ain't none of your business because it's under the blood of Jesus. I've learned to walk in forgiveness. I've learned to walk in, in that redemption that God has given me. And God wants us to understand that when we sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous, and those things are under the blood. And it says, and they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. You have a testimony. You see, the blood is a weapon. The word is a weapon. The name of Jesus is a weapon. But do you have a testimony? Have you ever thought about the fact that your testimony is a weapon against the enemy? You see, your testimony is the record of what God has done in your life. And so when the enemy begins to say, I'm going to do that again in your life, I come back and I say, you tried that already, devil, and here's what God did. Now listen. Now, you say, well, how do you do that? I was born 77 years ago with a major problem with my stomach. I was born already with an infection in my stomach, and that was because of a problem in my birth. And as a result of that, I grew up with ulcers all from that infection. I had ulcers all my life up until I was 23 years of age. And um, at 23, Sherry and I were already married. The doctor said to me, he said, there's only one thing we can do to help you. We're going to have to remove your stomach surgically. Well, I weighed about 230 pounds. I'm close to that today, not quite there, maybe 220 or something like that. But here I was with ulcers, hurting all the time, having to take Demerol and other drugs to, for the pain. And, and uh, the doctor said, the only thing I can do is remove your stomach surgically. So that's what they did. At 23 years of age, my stomach was removed surgically. I lost from 230 down to 140 pounds. The next six years, I was skin and bones, 140, bound, 140 pounds. I didn't have pain in my stomach, no, but I didn't have a stomach. I used to eat five or six times a day, just little small portions, because where they tied my esophagus and my small intestine together, it made a little pocket, and that's how I lived. 1973, something happened. 1973, I was pastor of the First Baptist Church of Greensburg, Louisiana. Boy, that sounds important, doesn't it? First Baptist Church. We had three three-way stops in town, and that was it. 
and uh, it, we, you just, uh, you know, it was the parish seat or like the county seat we have here in Florida, but we were in Louisiana, and uh, I was pastor of that church. Now, I want to tell you, and I don't mean this to be critical, but I'm going to tell you the way it was. Uh, that was Old South politics in 1973, and uh, there wasn't but one uh, party in Louisiana at that time, and it was a Democratic Party, and it was split because here was deacons on this side and deacons on this side, and they hated each other because of the politics. And uh, people, and I'd stand there and say, God, there's got to be more than this. I mean, you know, I've been in ministry since I was 15. I started preaching when I was 15 years old, and I'd been pastoring for a number of years, and here I'm pastor of that church now, and uh, I got desperate started reading the book of Acts. started reading the book of Acts, and it went from verse to verse to verse to verse, and I saw this thing called the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Oh, I knew about it, but we said it wasn't for today. Some of you grew up in the same type of situations where people said, it wasn't for today. It's not for you. It's not, that was for the early church just to get things started. And so anyway... We got baptized in the Holy Spirit on March the 10th, 1973. Sherry and I got baptized in the Holy Spirit at the same time. And uh, we started seeing miracles and healings. I was in a meeting July 1973 in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I wasn't preaching. I was sitting on about the third row. The man was giving a message of faith. And right in the middle of his message, he stopped, and this is what he said. He said, somebody's getting a miracle right now, a big miracle. Well, he wasn't talking about me. But there was a man in that church that everybody knew. He was one of the members that joined when there was only 15 people in that brand-new church. And here, 10 years later, they were having their anniversary and a missions conference, and he was a janitor standing at the back, but he couldn't talk. Seventeen years before, he'd been in surgery on his throat. He, they didn't give him enough anesthetic. So while he was opened up, he moved, and his vocal cords had been severed in an accident of surgery. For 17 years, that man had not been able to speak. When that man preaching the gospel that night said, somebody's getting a miracle right now, a big miracle. Everybody got quiet. And from the back of that auditorium, we heard a voice, it's me, I can talk. It was that man. God had restored his voice, restored his vocal cords. I want to tell you, the preacher never finished the message that day. He just began to watch what God was doing. He wasn't praying for anybody. People were getting healed here, there, all over the house. And suddenly everybody was standing on their feet praising and worshiping God. And Sherry and I were over here on that third row praising and worshiping God. And I heard myself say, Father, in the name of Jesus, my stomach. When I said those words, it was like someone took a bottle of warm oil and poured over the top of my head, went down through my body and out through my feet. I had no idea what God had done until we got home that night. And I ate the first full meal I'd eaten in six years. We discovered what God had done. 
That night, God gave me a creative miracle. I have a stomach in this body that the surgeon removed, but God put it back, and he put it back healed. Why? Because he wanted me to have a testimony of his faithfulness. And so when the enemy comes and he begins to attack me, I remind him, you tried to kill me when I was a baby. You tried to destroy me when they had to remove my stomach. You tried to make me weak and unhealed and unhealthy. But God gave me a miracle. And I like to say it this way, the God who did it before is the God who's going to do it again. You see, that is the testimony. And so God has given us weapons. We have the name of Jesus. We have the word of God. We have the blood of Jesus. We have the testimony. But do we have anything else? Can I tell you we do? When I was over in Ephesians with you a few moments ago, I quoted to you verse 17, but verse 18, it says, I'm praying with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. Let me ask you a question. Are you filled with the Holy Ghost? Are you baptizing the Holy Spirit? Holy Ghost and Holy Spirit, same person to me. I just, I just switch them back and forth. I don't have any problem about semantics here. But I want to tell you, if you're not filled with the Holy Spirit, that's a part of your power against the enemy. God has given it to you, but he said praying in the Spirit. Do you pray in tongues? Do you speak in tongues? I want to tell you something. That is also a weapon against the enemy. That's why Satan hates it so much. That's why so many pastors and teachers and preachers around the world have spent time coming against the baptism of the Holy Spirit because if you're not baptized in the Holy Spirit, I didn't say you were going to hell. No. If you're not baptized in the Holy Spirit, you really don't have access to the power of God that he wants you to have. God wants you to have that access. And I have discovered that whenever I pray in the Spirit, things happen. I pray in tongues. I speak in tongues. And so we have the name of Jesus, the word of God. We've got the blood of Jesus, the word of our testimony, and we can even pray in the Spirit. Uh, is, are there any other weapons that we have? Yes, we did something with some of those weapons this morning in Psalm 47, beginning at verse 1 and going all the way, almost all the way through that. It says, clap your hands, all you people. Shout unto God with a voice of triumph. And then it talks about singing praises to God. Sing praises. I want to tell you, when we praise God, that's a weapon against the enemy. Do you praise God? Well, I heard you this morning. I, I, I heard the praise and worship team. I heard John back there on the drums. I, I, I heard all of that. I participated in all of that. Now, I didn't know all your songs, so sometimes I had to uh, try to read and try to talk at the same time, and sometimes it didn't work too good. Uh, but I was praising with you. You know what? I, I've discovered that when we praise God, things happen. Why? When you go to Psalm 47 and you begin to read, it talks about how 
that he begins to fight for us. Don't ever underestimate the power of your praise, the power of your worship. Because when you begin to praise God, you release that power. Now, I've given you about six or seven weapons there, haven't I? We've got the name of Jesus, the Word of God, the blood of Jesus, the Word of our testimony. We've got our praise, our speaking in tongues, and our praise and worship. I think that's six of them. Can I give you one more? I want you to turn, turn in your Bible now. I've just been sharing Scripture with you, and yes, it was on the back of your bulletin. But I'd like for you to turn with me to the book of 1 Timothy, chapter 1. 1 Timothy, chapter 1. The Apostle Paul is writing to his spiritual son, Timothy. Timothy, we have no idea how old he was, but he and Titus were evidently young men. In fact, Paul says to Timothy in this very letter, do not give anybody a reason to despise you because you're young. And then he gives a tremendous teaching to Timothy right after that, right after he acknowledged that he was a young man. So here is this young minister. I remember when I was a young minister. I was 15 years old. God called me to preach. I went to my Baptist pastor, and I told him, I said, God spoke to me, and God spoke to me audibly. I, I, had, I didn't believe God spoke that way, but he spoke to me audibly. I went home one night after leading praise and worship in a youth revival and walked into the house, turned the light on on Sunday night. My mother and dad and my sister were not there, but I turned the light on and walked back toward my bedroom when I walked past the bathroom. I want to tell you, God's got a sense of humor. I walked past the bathroom. I heard a voice out of the bathroom said, I've not only called you to sing my word, I've called you to preach my word. I stopped and looked in the bathroom to see who was in there. Nobody was there, but I heard it with my ear. I went to my Baptist pastor the next morning, and I told him what God had said. And you know what he did? He looked at me, and he said, well, if God's called you to preach, Wednesday night you're going to preach. I went home and wrote ten pages of notes and preached for seven minutes, and I was finished. <laughs> but I want to tell you it was a beginning. And so here's this young man, Timothy. And he says to Timothy in verse 18, this charge or this command I give to you, son Timothy. This charge I commit to you, son Timothy, according to the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you may wage the good warfare. In 1973, when God baptized us in the Holy Spirit, I believed in three ministries. I believed in the evangelist. That's why I'm using my hand here. I use the hand to talk about the ministries. I believed in the evangelist. I believed in the pastor. I believed in the teacher. No apostles and prophets. 
But in Ephesians chapter 4, the Apostle Paul said, we have apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. We got baptized in the Holy Spirit on Saturday the 10th of March. On Tuesday the 20th of March and a week and a half later, we heard that there was going to be a prophet in a little Baptist church up at Macomb, Mississippi. I didn't believe in prophets yet. Had no idea that that was coming. But I was curious. So Sherry and I got in the car and drove through a storm up there to Macomb, Mississippi. And we went in planning to sit on the front row. I'm a front row Christian. I want to be under the spout where the glory pours out. If the preacher spits, I want him to hit me because I might get more of the anointing. No, I'm just kidding there. But at the same time, I want to tell you, we went into that place and the front rows were occupied, but there were two seats right here where Sister Claudia is sitting and right next to her. I sat where she sat Sherry sat there. I'd never heard anybody preach like him. I think he drew a circle on the floor and threw a fit in it. For about 45 minutes, just as fast as he could talk. I'm not copying him. I, I, he's not me. I'm not him. God uses us differently. But that man preached and when he got through he come, came down off the pulpit right to me and began to tell me all the things I'd been saying to God in my prayer time. And he began to talk about the call of God on my life. Well I'm smart. You know I've got a doctor's degree in theology. i got all these things you can hang on the wall you know but I heard somebody say one time you can have all the degrees in the world but if you don't have any temperature you can't do anything. Hallelujah. I want the temperature of the Holy Spirit. And, um, but, you know, I'm, I'm the smart guy. I'm sitting there, and I'm listening to him prophesy to me, and I'm saying to myself, uh, somebody told him I'm a Baptist preacher. Somebody told him I just received the Holy Spirit. Somebody told him that, and he just says the same thing to everybody. How wrong I was. But then he turned to Sherry sitting right next to me. And he said this, he said, I've saved the best for last. And, and she is the best. Hallelujah. And he started telling us what we had done the night before. We'd been married eight plus years. Three children. We were blessed. I want to tell you that that man stood there and told us what we had done the night before because we went into our bedroom we got down on our knees beside of the bed and reset our marriage vows to each other and asked the Holy Spirit to make our marriage the best it could be. And he said to her, I saw you when you and your husband made new marriage vows to me, says the Lord. Told us what we had said, what we'd done. That got my attention. Well, that church didn't even have a PA system. Thank God we got a PA system today. They didn't have a recorder that belonged to the church, but one little woman had a little Panasonic Model 309. I never will forget it. little cassette recorder. And she came. What was that? 
Everybody, yeah, they carried them to meetings everywhere. Anyway, she had that little recorder. She came to me and she said, would you like a copy of that prophecy? I said, absolutely. I gave her our address. She didn't send me the audio copy. She sent me handwritten copy. And when we got it, that's when I understood what God had said, that God said that I was a prophet, that prophecy was in my mouth, and that uh, I was going to be a prophet in my life. Said a lot of other things, too. And every one of them has come to pass. Well, I didn't know how to be a prophet. I knew how to say yea, verily, but I don't preach that way. So uh, I, that didn't, didn't help me a bit. And so anyway, I didn't go start standing up prophesying to people. I went back to my Baptist church. I went back to being pastor. One day, my phone rang. My secretary said to me, she said, there's somebody who wants to talk to you. He hadn't given me his name. And so I picked up my phone the voice on the other end says, are you the Eugene May that we've heard about that's baptized in the Holy Spirit? And I said, yes, I am. He said, well, I'm Father so-and-so from the Catholic Church in St. Francisville, Louisiana. Would you come and teach us? I want to tell you, in South Louisiana, where I lived, there were two types of people. There were a few Methodists around, but there's most of them were Baptists and Catholics. And we did not fellowship together. We did not go to the same meetings together. We didn't hardly give each other the time of day unless we were on the same political party. But that was, that was about it. And I said, yes, sir, I'll do that. He said, I want you to come teach on the Holy Spirit. Friday night came. I was standing in the Catholic Church, not in the auditorium, because, see, I'm not an ordained Catholic priest. I can't stand behind that desk. But we went into the fellowship hall, and it was packed. As I was preaching, God showed me a woman right where Rachel is sitting. I got your name right? Right where Rachel's sitting. And began to tell me things about her. Well, you see, I'm one of those decent and in order guys. You know what that means? I want to do everything decently and in order. The Bible tells me to do that. And I've discovered God's decently and in order not, is not always man's. Not always even mine. But see, I was one of these decent and in order guys. And I said, okay, God, if this is you, and if what you just said about this lady is true, when we get through ministering the baptism of the Holy Spirit and all of these other things, then you bring it back and I'll say it. That's what God did. I finished the message teaching on the Holy Spirit. We prayed for people to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and they did. There's people speaking in tongues everywhere, people getting saved, filled with the Holy Ghost in that place. And then God said, remember what I said to this woman. So I said, and I didn't, yet I, I still don't say, yea, verily the Spirit of the Lord doth saith unto thee. I, it's just not, not my language. And, and so I just said, sister, in plain English, this is what the Spirit of the Lord wants to say to you. 
I started saying it, she started crying. I heard this little voice in my ear. And that little voice said to me, don't you ever do that again. You're not a prophet. You see, you just hurt her feelings. She's over there crying because of what you said. You know, she wasn't crying about what I was saying to her. It hurt. She was crying because God healed her with that word. He took that word and he set her free. Now, this is what I did. I had already read 1 Timothy 1.18, where Paul says, Timothy, I want you to take the prophecies that you have received, and with those prophecies, wage a good warfare. And so while the enemy was speaking in my ear, trying to bring condemnation against me, I was speaking inside to him, devil, you are a liar. I have the word of the Lord. God has called me as a prophet, and I'm going to be that prophet that he's called me to be. So bug off. I mean, that's what I was saying inside. And I want to tell you, he left. He left. Now, he's come back and tried again. But I want to tell you this, that God, when he speaks prophetically to you, he is not just giving you information that you need, but he is giving you a weapon of war against the enemy. When the enemy comes against me, I use what God has spoken to me. I quote the prophet. Now I want to give you an example. I'm going to finish this message. 1996, Cali, Colombia, South America. I was preaching in a church called Amori Fe, Love and Faith. We had seven services on Sunday. I want to tell you, I preached myself happy that day. Seven services. And uh, we got to the seventh one, and I was in trouble. I was bleeding. I had no idea what was going on. If I'd have paid attention, I probably would have known. But, I, you know, I'm one of these guys. I'm healed. I'm blessed. I'm prosperous. I'm all, you know, I, I, I say that about myself because I believe it. All right, now, so here I was. That seventh service, I was bleeding. When I got home on Wednesday night that week, I told Sherry what was happening. I said, what do you think I ought to do? She said, if it was me, you'd tell me, let's go check it out and see what the problem is. Next morning on Thursday, I went to a clinic. I couldn't get an appointment, so I went to one of the open clinics. Doctor checked me, said, do you know a surgeon? I said, well, yeah, I do know one. So she called and made an appointment. I went and he told me, all right, prepare for a colonoscopy because tomorrow, Tomorrow morning, we're going to check. That next morning, I went to him and he said, well, here's what the pictures say. You've got colon cancer. And he said, I've got an operating room waiting right now. Don't even go home. You're going to 
you're prepared, you'd have to go home and prepare again. Uh, that preparation, some of you know, you don't like. And so I went directly to the hospital. It was cancer. I took out part of my colon and then said, we're sorry. That cancer spread through your body. Well, I want to tell you something. One month before, I was in Iberville, Quebec in Canada, a French church. Got through with the entire week. We started on Sunday morning and ended on Sunday night the next week, eight days later. When we got through with that last service, pastor invited Sherry and me up in front. They got some of the leaders of the church around us and began to pray for us. And one of the men began to prophesy to me. And I want to tell you, I did not like his prophecy. Because this is what he said. He said, you're about to go through the greatest trial you've ever had. It's a matter of life and death. And... Uh, I didn't speak French. I speak French now. I didn't speak it then. And so I did not understand everything, but the wife of the pastor, who was an American, French-speaking, was translating in my ear, and I didn't like what she was translating. Just before I woke up from the anesthetic, this is what God said to me. He said, first... You shall not die, but live and declare the works of the Lord. Second, I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you, to give you a future and a hope. And third, he said, and remember the prophecy I gave to you in Iberville, Quebec. You see, God had given me that prophecy. Because I didn't give you the whole prophecy a moment ago. I didn't tell you everything the man said. But he said, you sh shall not die, you shall live, and you will declare the works of the Lord. That was the part I left out a few moments ago. And whenever I came out from under that anesthetic, I came out believing God. Believing the prophet. Because God had given me a word. And when they told me that, prophet, that cancer had spread through my body, I knew they were right. doctor was right. But I also knew that the prophet was right. And I held on to that prophecy. And now that was 1996. This looks to me like coming on 25 more years. No, pro no cancer, totally healed, walking in health, a little overweight, but because, you see, I chose to believe what God said. Now, I want to tell you, I did one more thing. I called the pastor. I had Sherry, in fact, do this. Call the pastor in Quebec and Tell that man he was right because they had rebuked him for giving a false prophecy. And when I got up there the next time standing before that church, I got him up in front of the church and I apologized to him for saying that it was a false prophecy because that's what I had said when they said, is he right? 
are you about to go through something like that? See, it wasn't according to my belief, but it was God. And God had prepared me. And I used that to fight the good fight of faith. Now I want to ask you, what has God spoken to you? That's great, sir. Spoken a lot to you. What's God spoken to you? I could come to each one of you, and I could ask that question. And some of you probably have never had God speak to you. God has never said anything to you. But yet others will say, but God has said this and this and this. What have you done with it? What did Paul say to Timothy? He said, I want you to take those prophetic words that you had received. And he says, prophecies plural there. He says, I want you to take them and I want you to fight the good fight of faith. Thanks for listening to this message from Victory Life Church. Go to victorylifechurchofmilton.com for more and may God bless you.